Hello, welcome to Positively Perfect, where we encourage all people through a self-investigation, awareness, and acceptance to achieve their individual and most critical positive desires. With your host, Akindale and Digibankole. Let's get into the show. Uh, in today's episode, we'll be talking about selfishness. This topic, I think we can all relate to. Is it wrong to be selfish? How do you stop being selfish? Is there a way? Um, so why don't, uh, I'll just go into what the definition of a selfishness, selfishness is, uh, and then we'll kind of get into sort of what we, what our takes on it is. So uh, selfishness is concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself, seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for others. So yeah, that's the, uh, that's a textbook definition. Um, so what do you, what do you think about all? Well, I think, um, I think, uh, because you, when, when we chose this topic, I was a little concerned that mm -hmm. what do we say about selfishness, you know, actually until we really started looking at selfishness, I didn't realize how also nuanced selfishness really is, you mm -hmm. know, that, um, that all of these, um, all of these different things that we talk about are yeah. little snippets and journey towards our real self. Because at the, at the end of it all, what we're hoping that we get uh, through Positively Perfect and uh, people tuning in, you know, and being on this journey with us is that we all get to a point where we, we become this unified whole. In other words, we're able to truly identify with everything. Yeah, that way everything is part of us and we are part of everything so that there's no separation. Uh, we, can, we can eliminate uh, tribalism also uh, through that so that we, we now, um, we, are, we are connecting because of um, universal truths that we all share, you know, that connects mm -hmm. us much better than uh, tribalism or nationalism or um, you know all these different things that we that we become part of in little groups. So I yeah. think um, I like the idea of selfishness as I got more into it. And so mm -hmm. I have a few things also that I that I found out that I think I'd like to share. Um, and then I think at the end, after we're done, uh, maybe clarifying what some of those things mean, uh, maybe we can. I'd like to pick out some of them. You know how I think I've participated. In the in in selfishness uh, to the negative effects, you know, of um, of my own relationship with my, with my surroundings, with other people, and with nature. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I think that uh, it's it's very interesting. And and going through the research, there are some things that you know were felt a bit counterintuitive um, in terms of the way that I thought about selfishness. Um, and uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's interesting to, to sort of think about what, what it really means in terms of like, even biologically, what selfishness is and how that sort of play plays a part in our, um, in our evolution mm -hmm. and, uh, and how we go forward in life. So um, yeah, why don't you just kick us off if you have uh, sure some stuff? Yeah, and so and so um, and I'm 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 gonna try not to be uh, too overly detailed. Although I think there's okay. a lot there's a lot in selfishness that I think um, it also there are so many you know with different concepts that we talk about each uh, each episode. There's some overlap with you know other concepts as well because sure. i think as human beings yeah sentient beings we are more complicated you know mm -hmm. and um, but i think a lot of times uh, when it comes to selfishness for example our own desires just like you talked about our biological desires you know um uh for to survive or whatever also plays a major role you know mm -hmm. in the way we we um we become selfish or not selfish and I think it also um, has to do with uh, the way our brain or the way we are wired, you know, based on our experience. So we, 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 there's there's fear, of course, involved in this, you know. So I think there's a combination of things going on 
that's also causing us to either be selfish, you know, or be selfless. So yeah. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to start with um, there are four um, states of being selfish, and the first one is uh, the marvelous, the marvelous uh, selfish person, and the which is interesting because marvelous sounds great, it sounds wonderful, but it's it's the the type of person that actually um, they kind of um, shield their selfishness by having this facade of being wonderful and great, right? But underneath it is actually an element of narcissism, you know? So this is a narcissistic uh, uh, person uh, that uses people as objects. Uh, now the solution for this particular type of person is to make sure that you put yourself first. Make sure that you put yourself first that way, because the only way that person can manipulate you is to make sure that um, you, you buy into that facade. Because once you buy into that facade, all of a sudden, you know, uh, you lose yourself. You know, now you become part of their pawn or their game, you know, and then they can use you to actually get whatever they want to get. The second type of uh, uh, selfish person is a manipulator. Mm -hmm. This person mm -hmm. tells people what they think people want to hear, you know, so they tell you what, what they think you want to hear. And this is just a way that they can actually then, once you hear it, somehow they change over time to get what they want out of you. Uh, you know, but they, there's, there's this pretense, you know, that they have at the beginning as though they really care about you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they tell you what they think you want to hear. Uh, yeah. Again, this type of person, the best way to do it is to distance yourself because the more information you, you feed that person, the more they, they then give you what, what they think you want to hear, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to being honest, you know, to say, this is what I feel, this is what's going on, and then allow you to be able to make a judgment of that or to be able to be honest from your end as well. Yeah. Um, the third type is the martyr, you know, and this person uh, believes they have the answer to everything. This, the mother is the one that wants to do for everybody. You know, they, uh, and the world falls apart if they're not there, you know? And mm -hmm. so this type of person uh, is to make sure that you don't give in to that, um, to this manipulative self-pity because what happens with the mother, the mother then is asking for pity. To say, see how much I'm doing. I'm doing all of this for everybody and for you. And the reason why you're successful, you should have pity on me, poor me. And mm -hmm. to be careful not to get caught up in this poor me syndrome that that um, that, that murder has. Uh, the fourth one is a control freak. Yeah. And the control freak wants uh, the upper hand. And they will pull and push in the direction of their own aim even at the cost of your own freedom, at the cost of yourself, you mm -hmm. know? So they push, they're always trying to convince you or coerce you, you know, uh, there's always something going on that they're trying to push themselves on others, you know, yep. only so that they can have control over you and have, a, have, have, and have an upper hand over that person. So again, uh, with this type of person is to establish your own self-control. Mm -hmm. Also to let them know you do not appreciate that imposition that they're actually having or pushing onto you. That's also mm -hmm. important. So those are the four, the, four, uh, um, the four states of being selfish. Mm -hmm. The other one I wanted to talk about, and just in case you have any questions, you may want to kind of jot down or something, then at the end you can, we can go through it. Um, are the traits, the traits of selfishness. And they're positive traits as well as negative traits. So our, our real concern here is more on the negative traits, but I will, I will share the positive traits. That will people know what the solutions really should be and the type of selfishness that we want to have. But mm -hmm. I think at the end of this uh, soliloquy that I'm giving you here, I will talk about, you know, maybe to change the wording from selfish because I think positive selfishness is a different type of a name. Because I think selfish connotes negativity. 
So if there's any positivity to the action of doing for oneself, I'm not quite sure of that selfishness. So I think that may require a, bit of, a little bit of a changing word. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, positive selfish traits, when you do for yourself, is to be able to demand appropriate compensation, for example. So if you do the work, it is okay to actually ask for appropriate compensation. Um, also, if you feel like you don't want to do anything, it is okay to not do anything. You know, like you don't have to be doing for somebody else all the time, you know, because if you're doing for something all the time, when you actually don't feel like you want to do anything now, you, beca- you become one of those other four that we talked about. You become the martyr, mm-hmm. you know, the one that thinks that they can, they, they, they have the answers to everybody's problems, you know, mm-hmm. and then, uh, to refuse to gossip is also a positive selfish action. In other words, I don't want to engage in gossip, you know, because it's for my own well-being, you know, mm-hmm. and even though that is selfish not to want to engage in it, but is a positive trait because first mm-hmm. of all, somebody else does not get hurt, you know, and I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, you know, uh, by, by knocking somebody else down, you know. Um, also to separate personal and professional life. I think that's important as well, because it's it's through the separation of personal and professional life that I'm able to actually begin to truly move towards my own self, and then we can we can actually get to some of the vision that positively perfect is really trying to to uh, to encourage people to move towards, um, yeah. and then to take one's place. So if there's a right foot place that I'm supposed to take, I should take it. It is okay. You know, not to say, oh, no, poor, no, I, I don't have to do that, you know. And so, for example, if one, if one is complimented for doing something right, to accept the compliment, that's taking one's place. That's also mm-hmm. important. It is not selfish to say, you know, thank you, I appreciate that, because it's been recognized for the effort that you've put into something. You know, as mm-hmm. long as they don't go over and beyond, you know, the appropriate level of of recognition that they should give you for the work that you've done. But if somebody mm-hmm. keeps going, oh, you're so good. And the next day they say the same thing again and you go, okay, this is kind of losing its meaning. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, so to be, able to, to, to be able to accept, you know, when you've done something right. Yep. Also, um, to ask for deserved raise, you know, it's similar to, to asking for compensation uh, also, to stop being everything to everyone, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to do for oneself. And you can see some of the overlapping in some of what we talked about when we talked about the four stages of being mm-hmm. selfish and all the traits. There's a lot of overlapping going on here. Now, the negative selfish traits include uh, not showing weakness or vulnerability, you know, mm-hmm. and and we'll see at the end of the list of the negative traits, I'll talk about what I think is actually being done, you know, that's causing all of these little traits. Um, uh, not to accept constructive criticism, you know, uh, to believe that one deserves everything, you know, um, to not listen to people who disagree with us, to criticize others behind their back, to exaggerate one's achievements. I think these negative traits, in my opinion, are, are little, little uh, bricks of building a wall around me to protect my vulnerabilities and weaknesses from being exposed. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reason why we do it, you know, as opposed to saying, you know, Deji, I, I don't have all the answers. I need your help. You know, please mm-hmm. help me here, you know. Um, the other thing also is I want to talk about is the results and outcomes of negative traits, you mm-hmm. know, or negative selfishness, uh, yeah. self-absorption or self-obsession, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and then, then we have this constant worry and mental, mental stress because we are not able to be honest about who we really are. We are building walls. And so we're constantly building walls. So we are not acting naturally, you know, the way we really should act. We're constantly erecting walls to protect ourselves. 
and it becomes this vicious cycle because we lose integrity. You know, people can't count on us, you know, because they don't know what to believe. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we don't even know what to believe about ourselves anymore. It's mm-hmm. all convoluted. Um, yeah. Also, um, uh, addiction, we get into addictive behaviors which hurt ourselves and hurt others. You know, in order, in order to quench this pain and mental anguish that we find ourselves, this terrible cycle, you know, this yeah. mental stress and worry that we find ourselves. And then the self-centeredness, uh, damaged reputation, and then eventual loneliness. We become lonely because nobody can count on us. Nobody can trust us and we can't trust anybody. And then we, we become this lonely uh, individual on the self. Uh, some of the root causes for this uh, is possible antisocial or narcissistic personality disorder. So there may actually be a mental disorder going on. You know, I think for most people, because the level of selfishness is so is so is much is much less. You know, so there might not be this major personality disorder going on, but in increments, it still affects that individual, but I think it's something that's probably um, we can take care of, we can figure out what it is that's going on and begin to turn it around so that we can eliminate these negative traits in what we are doing. Uh, the other root cause could also be um, what they call narcopath. Narcopathy is a combination of antisocial and narcissistic behavior. You know, so both disorders, either antisocial and narcissism, all put together is called narcopathy. And this is really intense. You know, this is where, you know, uh, fake news comes into play. And so you have, you have somebody in this, in this situation, you can see it, you know, and they can't help themselves. You know, they're always exaggerating their own um, uh, achievements, constantly creating fake information. They're always trying to pull people onto their side and they do whatever they can to control, you know, others. They have all these negative traits and all these states of being almost rolled in one. You know, it's just really intense. Um, And clearly this type of person probably definitely has some personality disorder. And this type of person is more likely that they grew up in an environment that did not nurture or value their own opinions, their own feelings, you know, and and their own thoughts, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So the last thing that I want to talk about is the cycle or, or circle or continuum of the self. And I think, you know, uh, this continuum is really important that we know all the different levels as we're going through this so that we get better as, mm-hmm. as, mo- as moving forward. You know, yeah. I, think, I think the first level is the naive self, you know, that childlike self, you know, the one that's curious about everything, just wants to go find out, you know, the type of selfishness that you find in this type of person is more fresh, new curiosity. They are not being selfish because they, they understand what hoarding means. They are not being selfish because they understand what keeping everything for themselves and not letting anybody else have it. They're more curious, you know, oh, how do I get up? How do I stand up? How do I walk? You know, they keep doing it over and over again, you know. See, this is childlike type of naive selfish or the self, right? Mm-hmm. The, the next level is it selfish, the ego-driven self. And, and where it is now about me, 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 you know, I want this and I want that, you know, don't play with my toys, it's all mine, 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 you know, uh, don't touch my car, don't touch my this, you know, even adults can have childlike, you know, uh, selfishness as well. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is the selflessness, yeah, where we go the reverse of that ego driven and we overcompensate you know, by, by saying, oh, I am totally not selfish at all. And then they become martyrs. They now give everything. They do it for everyone. You know, they just literally go the other direction, you know, and they get hurt permanently and they, they get damaged. You know, they've given everything away, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the last one that I really think is the important one is the one that I actually got from 
um, I think I mentioned that to you in the past from this book called A Course of A Course in Miracles. You know, uh, I think it was created in, in the in the seventies or eighties by some somebody that actually said she had this um, this uh, insight, and then all this amazing philosophical views and and wisdom teachings had it pouring out of her you know mm. and she was writing all this down and one of the things that they talk about is being self-full and self-full is different from being selfless is different from being naive and is different from being selfish selfish is hoarding everything to oneself mm -hmm. selfless is removing oneself from the equation because you're giving everything away and eventually you become completely empty and completely useless to everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. The selfish one is hoarding everything and then eventually becomes completely a monster to everybody, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Now, but the self-full one is the one that understands that once they're full, everything else that, fall, that, that, that flows over their own container of the self can be given away. So now they're sharing. They have enough to sustain themselves. And then whatever is remaining, they give away. You know, I look at this and I, I have um, a very good example of a self-full person, my mom. And as you know, you know, I talk about your grandmother, your grandma a lot about this. Mm -hmm. My mom was amazing because as you know, in her own career that she was successful in, she created a good home. She had, she had, you know, all these different ways that we could actually be comfortable. But mm -hmm. we never had a nuclear family ever by ourselves. We always had cousins, aunties, uncles always staying with us. You know, people came to the house. Everybody had enough to eat. They had places, they, they, they could stay there for months, for years on end. This was important because she was so filled. She had enough. And she and we, her kids, we had enough love and enough to sustain us that there was so much pouring out that it was enough for other people to sustain themselves. To mm -hmm. me, that is a quintessential self-fullness. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this was so important. And I realized that, wow, that's the embodiment of being self-full. So I think the four levels or this cycle of the self is this childlike, naive self that's just curious. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to this ego-driven, dri selfish per uh, uh, personality. And then mm -hmm. it moves from there to this overcompensation. Because once you realize, oh my God, I've been selfish, then we flip the other direction and just pour ourselves out you know, mm -hmm. to our own detriment. And then once we realize, okay, we need a balance between these two, you know, then we become more self-full where mm -hmm. we have enough to sustain ourselves and then whatever is overflowing, we're able to share with everybody else. Yeah. And so that's the end of uh, what I wanted to talk about. So yeah, yeah, questions? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few different things. Um, I think some of the things that I was uh, going to talk about may have like, um may like fit in with some of these things um and like one of the one of the big things that i was seeing here in a lot of these situations and a lot of these different traits or archetypes or whatever is the need for control you know <laughs> a big a big aspect of that is uh, is control um and um and um Obviously, you know, with being selfish, you, the vision you see as a person, you know, sort of overly, um, overly concerned with the things that they have going on in their life and the, and the things that are directly in front of them, you know, right. um, I do want to, I do kind of want to go into a bit of, uh, well, before I get into the thing, actually, I, I will, I will say that, um, a, some of the things that you're talking about in terms of the, the positive traits, I feel like fall under a different definition. Right. Um, 
And that definition I feel like is uh, a being more self-aware. Right, and, and I also think it could also, the self-full could also be more in line with it. You know where you know where yeah. where 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 you're full. You you've you you got you've got what is appropriate, that's deserving uh, or that 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 you need for yourself, and then whatever is remaining. So, but 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 I see what you mean. That that yeah. selfish I mean, doesn't quite it doesn't quite de define that in terms of positive. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, so you know, for the first example, you know, demand appropriate compensation. You know, um, I don't know if I would necessarily call that self full because um or maybe you would i don't know exactly but you know the the definition of self aware um you know you keep in mind your own needs your own wants and treat them with as much consideration as you treat the wants and needs of others mm, um, I like that so your needs don't always rise to the top of the needs wants time available chart but they do sometimes uh, mm -hmm. Just as sometimes you put the wants and needs of others ahead of yours, but your needs are in consideration enough of the time. Right. So I think that that, that sort of like with a lot of these positive aspects, you know, um, you know, taking one's own place, you know, these are all things of just understanding that you are also, I mean, it, I I I tech, I feel like I fall in the martyr uh, sort of selfishness, um, and I overextend myself a lot. Um, and so, you know, I think that the understanding of the self awareness is that you are equal to everyone else, and your needs and your desires are are equal to other people's. Mm, I like that. In in a in a sort of like um, in a in a in in a particular plane, because you know, obviously, um, if you are sharing all of your food with everybody in your community, then you won't really have any food to eat. So that <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean so, right? So that that's a part of the being self full aspect of it. Like, all right, make sure that you're full, and right. once you're full and you've got more, then there it is. You give all that away um, as opposed to being selfish, which I think, you know, could be coming from, like you said before, uh, you know, potentially fear, um, you know, maybe some scarcity um, and the fear right. around the scarcity um, and um, and having some of that control. But um, yeah, so I think that understanding that you are equal to other people um, and you need as much attention as they do because mm. that's what I feel like I don't necessarily give to myself is that attention you know mm. um as much as I would you know I would, I would go 110 percent for someone else you know and, and get get them to where they need to get to but for myself I don't necessarily go 110 percent you know so um yeah there's a there's there's some interesting uh, elements of this in terms of biology too um and I think that that's um uh there you know i was watching uh roy erkins i'm just gonna kind of give him the credit for this um this sort of like this sort of topic here but um what he was talking about in this uh, in this thing i was researching was that um in nature there is a lot of selfishness and that's sort of how we have come to where we are now. You know, mm -hmm. um, the, the main goal of our, you know, a lot of, you know, organisms, you know, like, or, you know, species or whatever are to uh, procreate. So it's for your genes to be passed down to the next, you know, the next generation. And so, you know, a lot of the organisms uh, within these species uh, act in line with, you know, very selfish principles that sort of lend to that, um, that overall goal of the reproduction. So, you know, the, one of the first um, steps of this is of your family, right? So if you have a family member, uh, you are going to be more, you'll be giving to them um, 
more often because they are you are also giving to yourself in that way so it's sort mm-hmm. of biological cooperation in this sense but you are you you would be more willing to give to them because they are going to further your genes you know if it's your brother or your parents or whatever they're going to they're going to help propagate your own genes into the next generation or your own kids um you're you're more willing to do that there but it is also selfish because it's still in the same vein of trying to push your your genes mm-hmm. forward right. now the second second part of it is uh, direct reciprocity which is uh something uh where it's a, it's a relationship where you know there's a give and a take so let's say you were to um you're you're with your roommate and you know you do the dishes and then they mop the floor now you guys are both benefiting from the actions that you're taking but you're giving and they're taking mm-hmm. and then they're giving and then you're taking because it's a, it's a color, it's a, it's a group effort, you know, in this, mm-hmm. in this sense and that, but it also is, it is still selfish because you are expecting them to do something else. And when they don't do it, you don't, you're like, well, you know, I don't want to do that. Like they're never, they're never going to do that. So mm-hmm. you start, you start to cut off that, that aspect of it because it's mm-hmm. ultimately kind of selfish. Um, and there's a few rules to that though, because you have to be, um, in order for this direct reciprocity, you have to meet on a regular basis and you have to have some sort of an exchange. So it could be money, right. Or it could be favors or it could be time or it could be something else, you know? So, uh, there's gotta be some sort of exchange. And then, uh, beyond that, you know, um, uh, altruism, which, um, is defined as, uh, the belief or in or practice of, uh, disinterest and selfless concern for the well-being of others. Um, that, according to, um, according to our guy here, uh, Roy, Erkins uh, does not exist in, you don't really find that in nature. Um, <clears throat> so you don't find an altruistic actions happening within nature. It's, it is usually only direct family and uh, it is direct reciprocity. So something happens and then you, and then something else happens for that thing. So, you know, if it's not necessarily blood, and let's say, you know, there is a pack of wolves or, you know, a uh, ducks or, you know, apes or something like that. Um, they will do these direct reciprocity things in order to mm. then get something later. You know, I like see, you're doing I it for within the group as opposed to right. doing it um, for for no selfless, for, for so a selfless it, reason, you know. So, so it's almost like uh, like an insurance it's it's sort of yeah it's like this yeah, uh yeah. yeah you're you're you they know that something will happen you know right. within that it's, it's sort of like the uh, an unwritten rule so uh the question he said was is there is is this sort of like is this sort of it is it just going to be selfish for even humans is there any selfish selfless thing that we do and his argument is that no there is no real selfless thing that we do in terms of uh, this biological collaboration. Mm. Uh, He's saying that um, the next step that is not observed in other, other animals is uh, indirect reciprocity. And that Mm. is uh, where you are doing something like, let's say you're giving to charity, right. Or you give uh, something to like a dollar to a homeless person, right? Like that is an indirect reciprocity because you on some level believe that eventually that dollar will come back to you in some way, or you're going to receive something else, or you're going to receive goodwill. Um, and it's going to come back to you in, in, you know, in one way or another. Um, another, another reason that we would also do this is, uh, for reputation because in other, in other, uh, animals, there are is not really a, a sense of reputation. So, 
you know, it's been observed that if, you know, somebody was, you know, giving to charity and they knew that, that people, other people knew that they were giving to charity, they would give more to charity. Um, and the same thing for, you know, giving things away to like the homeless or uh, doing other like generous acts. If, if it's being recognized that they are doing it, then they would do it more because it, it ups their reputation and it, and it gives them us, uh, it just gives them more for it. So they're receiving something on the back end, even if it's happening, not right away, but it's happening further in the future, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, so they're, that same concept we can sort of transpose and it's based on several shared, you know, uh, we can, we can see this in like a, a lot of shared, you know, rules of our society. So like traffic, for instance, you know, we all know that, you know, if you follow these rules, people will have on average, a more enjoyable time on the road. Like you'd be able to get to where you want to with that, with these rules than without them. So we're all sort of like, we're all sort of following these rules because eventually something else good is going to happen later. Like we won't be cut off, you know, uh, or like no one is going to crash into us, you know? And so because of that, you know, that is why we're, we're sort of doing this because we know at the end, we're going to sort of get something that we need to in the end. And which is why we're so upset when somebody doesn't follow the rules because they are cheating. They're cheating the whole system. And, <laughs> right. and they were supposed to do the thing that we were, we were doing, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting, uh, thing. And so there's a, there's another, so that's, that's sort of like for his, 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 uh, sort of topic, he was saying that, you know, it's, it is basically in our best interests to be cooperative with everybody around us because that is, although it is selfish, you know, we are, we are receiving something either directly or indirectly um it is still in our best interest to be selfish in this way you know Mm. um so yeah there's that and then uh so there's another thing i want to talk about which is um uh so There's, I mean, there's a, when I was doing, there's some research, there was a lot of things along the, along these same lines, um, you know, uh, thinking about your self-interest, um, uh, within time periods. So, you know, if, if you're thinking about your, uh, self-interest for, you know, the next 10 seconds, you know, then doing a line of cocaine may <laughs> yield, amazing results if you're right. if all you're worried about is like the results and the and the uh, outcome of the next 10 seconds mm-hmm. but you know maybe you know uh if you kept doing that over and over again every every 10 seconds you're like yeah this is great i'm doing this so you keep doing it over and over again after a while your nose is going to be bleeding and you're you're going to be brain dead you know so uh or something bad is going to happen to you you know so extended extended use of that like uh, bad substances is going to be bad so um, you know, so it really depends on the, the length of time in which you are thinking about in terms of, uh, being selfish if to doing certain things. So if we're, you know, stretching this out to 40 years, thinking in your own best interest, doing drugs is probably not a bad, not a good idea to do, you know, it it just probably is not going to yield the result that you're, you're, that you want same thing with treating people poorly. Like in the next 10, 15 minutes, if you slap somebody across the face, you may feel better. You're like, oh yeah, you deserve that. But you know, you're not gonna be as happy when they file uh, uh, press charges against you and you're in jail in, in a week and a half, you know? So I think that a lot of people, we're all acting in our, be- in our best interest by mm-hmm. being cooperative and not doing things that are going to upset people and like disturb this, uh, the status quo, um, or, and, or the, you know, the established rules that we've had 
we've put in place, you know, uh, whether unspoken or spoken, um, because the reverse, oh, oops, sorry, <laughs> dropping stuff, uh, because the alternative to that is that, you know, um, those things could come back to us, you know, mm. um, negatively. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a few different uh, principles that uh, of cooperation that is from a story of the tragedy of the commons, which is uh, basically, you know, if you were to imagine a fishing town and um, everybody in this town, you know, all the people that are on the wharf, they fish and, you know, the, the amount of fish is going down every single year. And so in order for it to them to continue fishing, which, you know, I wouldn't recommend because I'm vegan, but anyways, these guys are fishing. And so um, in order for them to continue to be able to fish the next year, they need to slow down. They need to stop fishing uh -huh, or they need right. to have some sort of uh, guideline or some sort of rules around these. But, you know, if you are, you know, if your desire is very high to, you know, to feed your family or all these, all these different things, you may not follow the rules or, or you may be, you know, you may not know whether other people are going to follow the rules. So what happens is that, you know, you, they can, they just continue to fish or they maybe fish even more. And that kind of sort of destroys the ecosystem. And then all, there's no fish ever again, you know, because all the fish are gone. Um, so they're like, you know, in order to sort of combat this, there are, you know, these eight principles uh, but before that, so there's there's a couple um, examples of like this tragedy of the commons uh, in our everyday lives now. And, and one of them, I think, is uh, climate change, um, because right. with climate change, if we all cooperated and, you know, followed maybe sort of set of guidelines, then uh, we could reverse a lot of the climate change or a lot of the damage that has been done. But, you know, if someone else isn't doing it, you know, just much like that, you know, if you're, if you do something and your roommate doesn't do it, you're like, well, I'm not going to do this. This guy's not even doing it. So like, why would I, why would I do it? Um, but if a lot of people have that mentality, then, then we will not be able to uh, reverse or change or slow down any of these uh, effects of climate change. Another thing too, is, you know, you could argue uh, that if everybody were taking the pandemic very seriously and actually followed all the guidelines within a couple of weeks, we would not be, we would not have to, um, but this is my internet connection is unstable, but in a couple of weeks we would have to, we wouldn't have to really uh, be wearing masks or all these different things because uh, we would be able to uh, knock out the virus pretty quickly. Um, so uh, just to make, to wrap this thing up here pretty quick. Uh, so the eight principles of cooperation are, uh, have a clearly defined boundaries um, and then there's agreements adopted to your local conditions, uh, inclusive decision-making, uh, effective monitoring, uh, have a scale of graduated sanctions, uh, available conflict resolution, respect for the group's autonomy, uh, multiple layers for cooperating with other groups. Those are the, those are all those things. So, yeah. So, so I had some thoughts as you as you are going along uh, with this mm -hmm. when you talked about um, Roy Erkins. Is that what, yeah, yeah. what the name is? Okay, yeah. yeah. You talk, and I think what Roy is probably talking about, in my opinion, it sounds like it's more. Um, I think that there, there are two ways that we can look at um, social contract. You know, because I think there's natural social contract. You know that's based on survival. You know that's that's part of our DNA, part of our evolution. You know, and we know this because, for example, like a baby cannot survive on its own. So after a mother gives birth to a baby, babies that are abandoned, you know, literally die because there's no way for the baby to survive. It's it's gone. So we know inherently in us that we were raised and supported and fed by our parents, by our mother. You know, mm -hmm. and so we know this. So there's a natural social contract that the only way to survive as human beings is that the people that actually give birth to us, actually for the first few years of our lives, literally have to take care of us. Otherwise, we will die. So yeah. I think the other thing also is that on the end 
on the other end of life, when we are getting closer to our death, we revert back to this situation where oh, we're almost like our we're, we're almost like our children. You mm -hmm. know, now we've got to be taken care of because we don't have the 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 physical energy. Uh, we also don't have the proper health to be able to do all that needs to be done to really stay uh, uh, in this survival mode. So we need some additional help from those who are stronger. So essentially, I am the child, I am the adult, and I am the old person, all in one. And I think the understanding of that gives us this natural social contract because we all get mm -hmm. it. We all mm -hmm. know this, you know, but I think probably what Roy may be taking this, this type of um, um, way of being, and I don't think he thinks it's necessarily negative, but mm -hmm. I think, I think uh, there's clearly something to this social contract based on a natural uh, biological makeup that yeah. I think is basic to our human species because we are also a social species. Like some mm -hmm. other social species do the same thing. Monkeys cannot survive without their mother. You know, really take it. Mm -hmm. If they're left there, they'll literally die. They will yeah. not survive. But, but I also think that the second type of social contract is the one that's based on technology. So the first natural con contract is based on the fact that on, on the natural biological order of things. Yeah. And a, a lot of our religious texts that we have, you know, and our spiritual systems are often based on the natural order of things. What we believe is natural order that promotes the reproduction and the survival of the species. Mm -hmm. Man and woman, you know, need to be together so they can have children. Mm -hmm. Now, if you if you switch this this just man and woman, and you switch it to the uh, social contract based on technology, mm -hmm. the more advanced technology is, the more we realize no, it doesn't have to be mother and child to actually have the ch the children, because mm -hmm. you can go to a sperm bank mm -hmm. and actually literally have children. Mm. Right. So technology allows us to have a little bit more freedom and flexibility in the way we want to raise families, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. technology allows us to be able to give women rights. Technology allows us to be able to consider LGBTQ communities. Technology allows us to be able to help the poor people. Mm -hmm. so, so I think there's a different type of social contract that we have. Now, what happens when you talked about um, the environment, that if we don't take care of the environment, we can actually cause more damage so that we need this cooperation. This is where we go backwards to the social contract that we have based on natural order. And we use that analogy to make sure we contain social contract based on technology. Mm -hmm. Because social contract based on technology can give us a false hope that we can have everything that we want. Mm -hmm. And this false hope comes in the abuse of natural resources, mm -hmm. hoarding, you know, because it promotes this concept that everybody needs to be billionaires, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got to have 25 properties. And what do you do with all this? You know, how many bedrooms can we mm -hmm. sleep in? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so by doing this, it creates a lot of inequality, you know, and mm -hmm. undue inequity. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's very key that we understand that social contract based on technology, we need to constantly keep looking at that and the way to, to, uh, to temper the potential abuse of social contract based on technology is to go back to social contract based on natural biological order so we know how to use that way the very slow and steady social contract you know mm -hmm. that evolution drummed into us to use that type of way to do the social contract based on technology so that it doesn't move so fast for example 
when the pandemic hit last year, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we had to go backwards, you know, to almost this method of social contract based on natural order. People cared about people more. Mm-hmm. We were more concerned about people, you know. Mm-hmm. The other thing also with a social contract based on technology is that we may get into the mindset of um, being more focused on things because technology is allowing us to have more things than we ever thought we could have. Mm-hmm. So we have mm-hmm. this false idea that it's okay to abuse resources, you know, kill others to get resources, you know, and just exploit resources. Mm-hmm. And we wonder how come we have a lot of people that are on drugs, for example, because they can't survive because some of us have actually abused resources or that we have a lot of people who are still hungry or don't have health care and so on, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not because I'm taking one particular uh, political position, but I think the overemphasis of social contract based on technology can also be abusive. On the other hand, social contract based on natural biological order can also be abused. That's where dogma can actually stifle people's freedom when we use social contract based on natural order. Because people can get it in their head that it's only one way. Everything is black, Mm -hmm. black and white, for example where there's a nuance, there's a balance between these two, that we, there's a dance that we need to constantly make. And, and we should make this with compassion, knowing that we're all in this together. And I love when, when you talked about, um, you know, to realize that we're all equal. We're all searching for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then to, to hold one another, you know, with compassion as we're going back and forth in this. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so we're getting close to the end. Um, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot, of, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes these topics, you know, you can, you can go on for a long time about, you know, so right. um, uh, there's more to talk about, but we don't have the time. <laughs> so. Right, right, right. We'll, we'll, we'll do a part two of this because I think it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, know? we can do a part two. Yeah. Um, so uh so we don't have any audience questions now so that's that's okay um and um so what are you what are your final thoughts on uh, everything i think one of the things also is because as i was um uh, going through this process i'm realizing how i'm participating mm-hmm. in some of these different levels of the self you know, yeah. there are parts of me that's more curious. For example, if there's a new thought or a new idea that I'm curious about, mm-hmm. you know, there are parts of me that's actually selfish. And, and this selfish part of me, you know, um, wants to hoard things and I'm participating in this and I can see that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part of me, this, this martyrdom, you know, that I just want to do everything for everybody because I feel that I want to compensate for for uh, for uh, you know for having been so selfish, in mm-hmm. you know it, and so and I, I find it fascinating, yeah. you know, and I'm trying to work myself towards really making sure that I get what I need, mm-hmm. so that then I can help others in what they need, yeah, you know, yeah. but 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 I, I'm 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 grateful that I'm I'm working through this and also realizing that there's no perfect here. Mm-hmm. that I'm just participating in this like anybody else is participating in this. And I want mm-hmm. to reduce my negative selfishness, you know, and so so that I can be more balanced, you know, mm-hmm. and be able to participate in this world and in our humanity in a way that's beneficial to put myself, but also to others. That mm-hmm. is not just about me, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and what are your thoughts? Um, I would say, you know, I, I think that, uh, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of good things we talked about today. I think, you know, these different archetypes of a person who is selfish, I also relate to, you know, I think that, um, uh, 
there, you know, the, the martyr is a, is a person that I sort of relate to. I think, you know, there is a level of, um, there's a level of control that I'm maybe trying to have over a lot of the situations that I'm in. And I think, uh, you know, that sort of like, I feel like helps play into that selfishness that I I'm right. sort of like, uh, you know, potentially propagating. <clears throat> um, but yeah, there's a, there definitely is a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting things that we've sort of discussed here. Um, yeah, I, I also think that the a real big key of this is is figuring out really um, the difference between being selfish and then self aware. I think because right. having under having the understanding that you know you that you can do things for yourself is pretty big. You know uh, that you should do things for yourself um, and understanding where the line is because. I think that, you know, for myself, at least, you know, um, the line that I feel like I'm crossing sometimes is if I do anything for myself, it feels like I'm doing too much for myself, but I don't think that I'm, I'm hitting that line. I think I'm way off. I think I'm way under that line. And so, you know, figuring out where that line is so you can run up, up to it and say, okay, cool. This, this would be too much. You know, I'm not thinking about other people right now. Um, you know, and, and that plays for myself, it plays a, a, a lot out in, you know, it plays out in a lot of different ways, you know, in terms of like, you know, going to the doctor or like, you know, doing things that are like, I probably should be doing for myself, you know, uh, or, or, you know, like figuring out the finance stuff, because, you know, that, that almost seems secondary to helping other people or trying to do other things, you know? Right. Um, so I think that, you know, on, on that level, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm playing that, that sort of role. And, but I don't think that it's, it's for nothing. I don't think that that, that is unselfish because the, you know, it's a trade-off, right? I don't do those things for myself, but what I get is, you know, favors from other people or I, mm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing these things so I can feel better, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, I've done such a good job for this person, yeah. you know? Um, and they owe me or they, uh -huh. you know, they yeah, think yeah. that I'm really good now, you know, because uh -huh. I've just, I've worked somewhat hard or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not necessarily that great because I don't take things, you know, maybe that I should have taken a long time ago. And this right. is, a, this is a thing that I've, that I've struggled with for like a while, but, yeah. um, you know, so, um, yeah, but, but understanding, really understanding that line. All right. Yeah. So you can do things for yourself and you're probably not, you're probably not overreaching. Right. A lot of these things, because I think I'm underreaching right. in a lot of ways. So right. that's sort of my final thoughts on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Okay. So every, every show we do this. Uh, so what is one thing from the episode that you're grateful for? I think, um, I'm really grateful. First of all, there are moments in there as we are talking that I'm just totally grateful that I'm doing this with you. Oh yeah. I, I just think there's something powerful about it for me as yeah. a dad, you know, yeah. and to be able to have my own child be able to sit down with me that we can actually go through this together, you know, mm -hmm. like um, these are things that we probably go through uh, to therapy for, you know, just to say, yeah, how yeah, do yeah. I navigate through this? But you're able to mm -hmm. actually talk about this and make it normal part of our conversation that, mm -hmm. you know what, we are going through this and we're yeah, trying totally. to find out how do we become better and to be mm -hmm. on this journey with you, to me, is like amazing. Yeah, truly, yeah. truly amazing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, well, I'm not going to steal that one and say that that's what I'm grateful for. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll come up with something else, but, um, uh, so I, what I would say is that, you know, uh, I'm grateful for the, the opportunity that this show is providing for me to, uh, grow the opportunity that it's providing for me to grow. And, you know, because 
I have to do research for this, for each of these episodes, you know, so I'm, I'm spending time like looking for things, um, and, and, and or meeting amazing people like our last episode right. with Shane, that was amazing. Uh, and that, you know, the, those sort of things, those sort of moments, you know, help spark things in, in me that are, you know, I, I would not have otherwise sparked. So I'm grateful for the fact that this is sort of, um, uh, a, a chasm that is opening up and good things are coming out of it, you know? Right. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into our show. We really appreciate you hanging out with us. I don't know if you know this or not. What's that? We do a live show every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Really? And if they want to get in on that action, maybe ask a question or something, mm -hmm. they should make it onto our website at uh, positivelyperfect.com yeah. for more information. Okay. You know what else they can do on the website? What else? They can watch the videos of our shows. Oh, that's good. That's right. If they wanted to put a face to the voice, we'll make it really easy for them, you know? And if they want to follow us on socials, we've got them as well. Oh, we've got yeah. Facebook and oh, Instagram yeah. at mm -hmm. Positively Perfect. Don't forget about Twitter at the Positively. Oh, God, yes. Uh, you know, I think that might be it for our socials. Anyways, thank you guys so much. See you next time. Bye.